Hello, welcome to What the ZF. I'm Ingrid. And I'm Ian. And this episode we are sponsored by Zuno. So, Ian, do you want to know a scary hand sanitizery fact? Go on. Did you know that traditional hand and home sanitizers only work whilst wet, meaning bacteria can land and multiply soon after application? Say what? I know. Well, lucky for us, Zuno's innovative technology continues to protect your family after application and is proven to be effective on skin for up to 24 hours and surfaces for up to 30 days. Wowee! (laughs) (laughs) Now that's the sort of performance I require in my surface protection sprays. Exactly. Water-based and alcohol-free, Zuno products are perfect for humans, but deadly to bacteria in your face bacteria in your face bacteria visit zuno.com to take your first steps towards long lasting protection man that's some good Psst, zuno now on with the podcast <laughs> bing bong bing bing bong <laughs> i to do my own music this week hello welcome to what the cf no yes that's what it's called <laughs> I forgot the name of my own podcast. Hello, welcome to What the CF, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast with me, Ingrid. And me, Ian. As always, you can find us on Instagram at What the CF Pod. You can find us on, at our website at whatthecf.com. And you can find out more about us, listen to our episodes. And you can also find us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash WTCF pod if you would like to support the podcast, buy us a coffee and help us produce this podcast in the excellent professional way that we continue to do. We're in our we're in our kitchen right now. You can also find us on Facebook, which is what the CF at uh sorry, what the CF Assistic Fibrosis Podcast. And obviously you can listen to our podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. But we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of your other regular pod distributors. Oh, we're also on TikTok now. Oh, that's the one. We're on Tickety Talk. You don't stop at WTCF Pod, which I'm on right now. And I'm very confused about my numbers on TikTok. If anyone knows more about TikTok and wants to give me a TikTok update, please get in touch because... I had big posts and wee posts, and I don't know why I have some wee and some big. (laughs) Well, please go on there. Go visit our TikTok now and... uh, Make all of our posts big. And actually, if you go to our Instagram and go to the link in our bio, you will get links to various other posts and media and podcasts to listen to. But don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast, please do donate via buymeacoffee.com forward slash WTCF pod. We're recording this on Father's Day, yeah. so I'd like to say a very happy Father's Day to you, Ian. Oh, thank you. And uh, You're not my father. <laughs> I know, it's a bit weird, um, but I would it's like to thank weird. my wife, who's not my son. <laughs> not your father? <laughs> no, I, I am not your, your father. father. Either, uh, but thank you for making me a beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful card. Um, it was Jaws themed, Steven Spielberg's classic, and I also got a ticket to go see Jaws in IMAX. Yeah, so Father's Day. So we wanted to say Happy Father's Day. When you listen to this, which is however long ago Father's Day was, yeah. we want to say a big shout out to all the dads in the CF community, whether you have CF or you have a member of your family who has CF. 
We appreciate you and love you very much, dads. Mm. Yes. Very Go much. dads. Go dadly doodars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. From a dad himself, call yourself dadly doodars. Um, the DADs. The DDs. The DDs. <laughs> Today we have a brilliant interview with writer-director Julianne Fox. Uh, her film Never Better has been uh, getting some excellent reviews over in the US um, in various film festivals, etc., etc. And I discovered the film via the trailer that I found on Instagram and thought, oh my God, it's a CF film. We have to watch this. We have to uh, talk to anyone involved with this film. So I got in touch with Julianne and she agreed to have a great interview. But also we got a screener of the film. So we got a chance to have a watch. Are we the only people in New Zealand that have seen this movie? We are because currently, currently the film isn't released here. No. And it's not available in streaming yet. But watch this space. We hope to have an announcement for you all soon so that we can all see um, Never Better over here in New Zealand. However, if you listen to the interview with Julianne, she does explain where the film is being shown and where people can get it. So in different regions, you're okay, but just in New Zealand and Australia at the moment, and there isn't any distribution. distribution. Um, but this is not simply a CF film. It's also a film set during lockdown. I would say it's a good time capsule. Yeah, and it wasn't just a film. It's not just a film about lockdown. It was shot during lockdown. Yeah, so the film Never Better was shot at the end of 2020, and because of the time that it was set and the time that it was filmed, it's a very small location um, and takes place in the flat of a young woman with CF who's called Therese. She shares it with a few flatmates who all disperse during lockdown. She's left on her own. And then after, I'm not sure how long she's been on her own, but her one of her flatmates returns unexpectedly yes. and heightens her anxiety around how they should be acting during the COVID-19 pandemic. It brings it all back. Yeah, it does. And it does remind me of so many things that we used to think and experience during that time of, of lockdown, especially the fear, the fear of our own shopping. Yep. When we used to... Have, that terrifying moment. I was, the, I think at the time, I'm pretty sure during lockdown, I was the, I was the designated shopper. So yeah. get, I would go out into the plagued world. But only about once a week because we got, we got priority delivery. I'm, try, I'm trying to big myself up. I know, make, but make we got priority like delivery, so occasionally you went out. <laughs> but most of the time uh, we got delivery and we'd hide from the delivery person, wait for them to be quite far away before we opened the door. Yeah. I would be masked and gloved. And I'd unpack items one at a time and they'd go into like a clean up station on the kitchen bench where we'd wipe stuff down or wash things down. And it was quite an operation, especially with two little kids around who wanted to touch everything. And yeah, we were yeah, like, definitely. you must stay here in a designated children area until we are finished wiping all these things down. Uh, seems quite mad now. It does to be so fearful of our shopping. But it, at the time it made sense. And I think it was even the... And I'd do it again, I tell you. Yeah, I tell you. It was the official advice. The official yeah. advice. Well, we didn't know uh, what the risks were and how contagious things were. So, But things like that are in the film. Um, sanitising, masking, um, just... Losing control, and that's a big um, issue, I think, for uh, a lot of people over the pandemic, is you suddenly just didn't have control. And when you've got something like CF, a chronic illness, that you are you may not have necessarily shared with yeah. a lot of the world, suddenly you're in a position where you might have to explain why you're particularly anxious or why this pandemic 
is more frightening to you than other people of your age. Like Teresa's uh, flatmate doesn't really have the empathy at the beginning of why she has to be so cautious. Yeah. And I think you brought up a point we were uh, talking earlier about how even now as we're living with the pandemic, this is quite a good lesson to maybe people who haven't got a chronic illness or I mean how people are acting now as well as during the actual official lockdown and quarantine time I think sometimes you have to be a little bit more empathetic and think about others it's a reminder of of, um, so it's a great time capsule of the time but it's also a reminder now of a lot of us are still thinking and feeling this way and will continue to until this pandemic is endemic or just not there anymore because it doesn't go away for those that are vulnerable if that's the word we want to use um to describe that community but it's actually it's a great movie and i really hope people in new zealand and australia get a chance to see it which i believe they will at some point so we have to big up the lead yeah uh therese who is played by sophia bryant she is fantastic in this film she is phenomenal and julianne fox the director i think is very lucky to find such a talented actress who i think had very good comedy timing and comedy chops Literally, she holds. She is the film. And she holds the film yeah, together. She's in every scene. Uh, like we said, it's a it's in a small location, um, and it's all told by either her interactions with others or her internal monologue. So we hear what she's thinking, and then we have her on calls and phone calls, and uh, maybe the odd conversation with another person over a fence or something like that, which we all experience as well. So yeah, it's all about. Therese. So the actor that they pick for Therese was vitally important for that film to yeah. be a success. And she delivers. So no, she very, acts very, very well. lucky to uh, have her as the lead in uh, Never Better. But more importantly, I checked out her IMDb and she was in one episode of Blue Bloods, which is starring Tom Selleck. So I need to, we need to interview her just purely so I can ask her uh, if she met Tom Selleck. Uh, of Magnum, she's one step away. Of Magnum P.I. So if you speak to her, it's like you're a step away from Yeah, I mean, if I speak to her, it's like speaking to Tom. Well, we have to say, Sophia Bryant, if you're out there and if you're you hear this to podcast... This, did you meet Tom Selleck? Did you meet Tom Selleck? And if so, can you please message us and tell Ian what it Sweet. was like? Just to give some context on Tom Selleck, Ian has a picture of Tom Selleck. Assigned. A signed picture of Tom Selleck that I gave him like 15 years ago of Tom Selleck frolicking in the sea in very small body smuggler. He's not frolicking, he's just standing there. He's just... Ian, it's a frolic. You bought, anyway, did you buy that on eBay? Yes, I got a certificate of authentication, so, it so is... it's definitely him. In the picture. <laughs> got nothing to do with the signature. Got nothing to do with the signature. Yeah. I just need clarification. By, that is definitely Tom Selleck. It's in the, the by picture. Dave. But anyway, this is definitely Tom Selleck. It's definitely Tom Selleck in the picture and the signature is uh, negligible. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe Tom <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, enough big, about Tom. Sorry, big fan. Never anyway. better film. Yeah. And the supporting cast are also great. Actually, the interactions work really well when she's having a Zoom calls or telephone calls and how you build up the idea of the different people that she's talking to on there. I love the humour in the film. Some dark humour, some cutting lines about CF that kind of pang and bring home the seriousness of the condition, but also the imperfect behaviour that Therese has. 
um, as all humans do. And there's a, a sort of meta discussion in the film about how what sick people are like in movies. And this movie is trying to say to us that sick people are, uh, or people with chronic illnesses aren't perfect and might not do their meds and they might not take care of their health perfectly because you have ups and downs in your life and you cope with how you cope. So the whole thing is that she's authentic and real. She's a, a normal young woman dealing with an abnormal a frightening situation and she happens to have cf and that adds a different level and a different layer to mm. the film so when you're in the cf community there's a lot of things that come through that you're like will relate to your experience whether you yourself have cf or you have a friend or fam family member who has cf and if you don't like we said before <clears throat> it gives you that empathy and it kind of opens your eyes to oh this is how these people are feeling oh maybe that's why that person's been a bit snappy or more paranoid when i come around or looks at me to make sure i hand sanitize before i come in the house and that kind of stuff there's nobody better really to talk about never better nobody better to talk about never better than the writer and director of the film julianne fox who i spoke to a couple of weeks ago via the power of zoom because she's over in the usa in california i believe and I had a chat with her <clears throat> about the film and about her experiences with CF. So have a listen and please uh, follow A Never Better Film on uh, Instagram. Take it away, me, <laughs> in a minute. Over to you, you. No. Well. <laughs> Over to me a few weeks ago with Julianne Fox. Hello, welcome to episode 11 of What the CF Assistic Fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid and today I'm interviewing writer-director Julianne Fox, who has created the film Never Better. Hi, Julianne. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? You're in Los Angeles? Yeah. And we are using the magic of Zoom, which we've all got very used to using in the last couple of yeah, years. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's a little Zoom in the movie, too. <laughs> yeah. I was there, yeah. Of course there would be. Yeah. So, Never Better Film, I discovered on Instagram and saw trailers and clips. And I was like, oh, it's a cystic fibrosis film. And the only film that I'd well that I'd seen about cystic fibrosis before was Five Feet Apart which was the kids in hospital which I have never watched and before I oh, had wow. before I had CF in my life I was like I'm never watching that that looks really sad <laughs> <laughs> and now I have it in my life I thought I'm not watching that it looks really sad I did watch a little bit of it um, the other day because it was on TV and I thought, oh, it, it means so much more now seeing that represented on screen. When mm -hmm. before I would have thought, oh, that's really tragic and sad. Now I'm like, oh, that's really powerful for people who live with these kind of chronic illnesses. So I yeah. guess my first question about um, Never Better Film is maybe just tell us a little bit about the synopsis of the film. Yeah, so Never Better is about a young woman named Therese who has cystic fibrosis, um, and she has recently graduated college uh, in the summer of 2020, so right into, at least at the time, was the height, felt like the height of the pandemic, you know, it was all very new, we didn't know anything about it, we were just trying to stay safe. Um, and she's quarantining alone, going a little crazy, you know, has a strong internal dialogue going. And then her roommate, Amanda, comes home and proves to not be taking the pandemic as seriously as Therese, puts her health and her sanity at risk. There's a bit of tension between them, just figuring out how do they live together um, and how can Therese stay safe while kind of balancing this relationship in her life. 
And that's um, really interesting perspective on a sort of pandemic film, taking it from the perspective of somebody who, especially young people, because, you know, early on on the pandemic, it was very much like young people don't really need to worry. It's very mild for them. They might not even know they have it. But when you have a respiratory condition, you're going to be concerned about every single thing out there. So that that's a really interesting pitch on talking about CF and talking about um, the pandemic. You know, with CF, it's also for a lot of people an invisible illness. So it's, you know, something that maybe not everyone in your life knows about. So they wouldn't even automatically know that you are in that kind of that group of vulnerability that that was the word that everyone was using at the beginning of the pandemic. We need to protect the vulnerable. And that's, I think, what Therese deals with a lot in the movie as well as the invisibility of her being a young person, but being in that vulnerable group. That's completely right for um, young adults with CF because first of all they can be extremely sick but no one would know because they're they're very good as I've been told by adults with CF we're great at faking being well so Mm. most people have not a clue what they go through to be able to go and do the normal things that people do or teenagers do and what's your personal connection to cystic fibrosis? Um, it's very personal. It's it's me. I have CF. I graduated college in the summer of 2020. There's a lot of me in this movie. I did not have a roommate like this. I kind of took, you know, my, my experiences having CF both before the pandemic and obviously grappling with this respiratory pandemic uh, in my last semester of college and how that felt, you know, being in that vulnerable community, but then kind of built a fictional narrative out of it. A lot of, I always say it's kind of my nightmare scenario um, which is funny because I've heard stories from people with much worse roommates doing much much more risky things in the pandemic but it's kind of leveled at a place where it's not so extreme that's that's Teresa's not saying okay I just need to move out obviously I need to flee um, so it's a little bit in the middle but yeah that's that's the connection. So how were you how was your experience so Shout out to your to Julianne's roommates who weren't like this. <laughs> Were you at home? Were you living on your own? What was your situation when things happened and lockdowns happened? Uh, yeah, I, w- I was living with four other roommates in my last semester of college. And I didn't go home, which I think was also different than a lot of my peers because it kind of hit at spring break. So I also had a lot of friends who had like gone home for spring break and then just never came back. Um, and I actually, I ended up going home um, in the winter of like 2020 into 2021, um, after we shot, we shot this film in November of 2020. So after that, I went home. So I always feel like I, I did it opposite of most people by staying. So it definitely was difficult. You know, I was grateful to live with roommates who like knew about CF and supported me and, you know, wanted to do things to keep me safe and just keep us all safe. But at the same time, it just gets so complicated. The more people you live with, um, where like, you know, some of them were in relationships and needed to see their partners. And it's like, how do you, how do you wipe things down and clean things? Which was the biggest thing on our minds at that time. And obviously proved to not even be that important for stopping COVID. But, you know, there, there's some of that in the movie too, where because it's a bit of a time capsule of summer of 2020, we still hadn't let go of those things. And so I definitely had, you know, issues with just rising anxiety and like mild OCD surrounding, you know, the the sanitizing of things and just, you know, the idea of control, because I think that's 
the hardest thing when you live with the other people, no matter what is happening in the world, you can't control other people. And I think that's a big lesson Therese has to learn in the film as well. So that's where a little bit comes from me. The pro of all that, at least for myself, was that I still could kind of feel like an independent adult in my last week of college and, you know, have roommates that I could just like get drunk with on a Friday night, even though we couldn't really leave the house and we're doing school online. I think that was vital for me for just maintaining some form of sanity in those times and, um, you know, finding some some small community that we had left within our house when we'd been cut off from everything else. So did this film come from lockdown or did you always think, I, I want to make a film about what what it's like to have CF as a young person or were you already going to do that and then it became the pandemic film or yeah I I definitely um knew I wanted to figure out a way to kind of narratively express my uh experiences with CF and just to portray a kind of sick character that I feel like I've never really seen and that I've wanted um that's a little bit more uh cynical and kind of raunchy and also the very much the protagonist of her story versus a lot of times sick characters are just the person who like teaches the protagonist a a lesson and then they die and you know they just get to be a stop along the way um but I definitely never intended to make a pandemic movie um even at this point, two years later, sometimes I wish it wasn't about the pandemic. Um, (laughs) But the reason that this movie came to be was actually Justin Baldoni, who is the writer, or I don't think the writer, but the director of Five Feet Apart. Um, His production company, Wayfair Studios, put on this competition, which they called the Six Feet Apart Experiment as kind of a play on the Five Feet Apart with COVID to challenge people to make films during the pandemic. And they chose five winners to make micro budget feature films. And so I saw that call for entries like pretty soon after I graduated college in the summer of 2020 and thought, well, hey, they made Five Feet Apart. I feel like they'd be interested in a movie about CF. Um, And I'd been working on something else. So I was kind of in the headspace um, to, to write something about it, but I didn't have like a feature ready. So I knew I needed to write something for the competition. And I just was, so stuck in quarantine that I I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't really think outside of where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just pulled a lot from my life around me. And also partially because the budgets were so small that, you know, a movie set in quarantine seemed very uh, financially appealing in that sense. You know, the, a lot of the other movies, there was one that took place in the pandemic, like, but they weren't, you know, it didn't have to, but it just made sense at the time as, you know, the setting that it could be and that, you know, worked well for for the story that uh, ended up needing to be told. And the, those are the kind of um, movies that really appeal to me as well when there's, it's like a small story in a massive thing. So the, the pandemic is this huge thing. CF is a huge thing, but the, it's one mm-hmm. person's singular experience of it, which really hones in on getting the message across to people. Ingrid, do you know what I do before I go out? No. I Zuno. <gasps> what? Do you know about Zune? No. Zuno? Do I? Zuno's long-lasting sanitizers stop bacteria in their tracks using antibacterial technology. Did you know that traditional hand sanitizers and home sanitizers only work whilst wet? 
meaning bacteria can land and multiply soon after application. Zuno's innovative technology continues to protect your family after application and is proven to be effective on skin for up to how long, Ian? 24 hours. And on surfaces for up to... 30 days. Wow. Water-based and alcohol-free, Zuno products are perfect for humans but deadly to bacteria. Excellent. So to get your Zuno products, visit Zuno.com to take your first steps towards long-lasting protection. Zuno. Long-lasting protection. What about casting Sophia Bryant? Um, She auditioned for us. Again, we're lucky to be working with Wayfair Studios, so they gave us a lot of resources that we wouldn't have had um, as just you know, indie filmmakers on our own um, and saw a lot of people for the role. We knew we were getting to make the film in August of 2020 and we were shooting by the beginning of November 2020. So development, pre-production, casting and shooting was incredibly fast. Um, so I think I was leaving a lot of character development up to the actress we chose and getting to figure out with her just the traits. And I wanted her to be able to bring a lot of herself to the role to also distance it from myself a little because I don't want it to be me. Yeah. So I think in a way, I almost didn't know what I was looking for. We saw so many people and I never had that moment I expected to be like, yes, that's Therese. Because this is a huge character. She's in every like scene of the film. Um, her voiceover is kind of guiding us throughout we're hearing her thoughts like the movie lives or dies based on if we like Therese and if she can carry this film um and Sophia just gave a great audition but even then I wasn't like that's my Therese but then when we got her on set like she ended up being perfect and it's always funny to me that I didn't have that moment for her yeah. my producer Portia will say that will we'll point out that Portia did have that moment so <laughs> she has those instincts I think it was really when we got her on set and just got the energy going and she had so many funny improvs that like she just brought this character to life in such a wonderful way and she is just astounding in the film like she made my job as a director so easy so what about the actors then who were in the film so predominantly Sophia did they know about cystic fibrosis when they were cast what sort of education did they go through I can't remember exactly how many of them had like heard of it or not before. Definitely not to any, they definitely didn't have any deep knowledge going in. But yeah, Sophia was obviously the main one I had to unload a lot of information on. Like this is a role that does have a lot of background knowledge necessary, but luckily for her, it's all, all me. So the accuracy is very easy in that way. I think it's very naturally authentic. Um, because obviously I'm a, a lifelong expert of CF. <laughs> um, but I do feel like I, because I, something in the movie, Teresa's uh, very private about CF and uncomfortable talking about it. And that's also definitely something that comes from my life. But I kept it very private. I didn't tell a ton of people until the public announcement about this movie getting made or I had to kind of come out on my Instagram about it, um, which was an interesting experience. And by that time, like throughout college, I'd let go of that like deep need I felt to keep it secret and not wanting people to know. But also because of that, when I was telling Sophia, I think we did it over Zoom, we probably had like th three hours. I just told her all my deepest fears and emotions and secrets in the span of three hours. <laughs> like obviously my best friend probably knows all this, but like all at once I've never really shared that much with another person before so that was um interesting and the one thing I also I think is a testament to just how good Sophia is I remember on that call I was explaining I explained to her how to cough 
how to do like a CF cough where I'm like, you know, it's, it's deep, it's mucusy. It kind of comes like, it comes from deep within the lungs and you get up and it's, it's very kind of mucusy and, and rough. And she was like, yeah, totally got it. And throughout the entire film, like that girl can cough. She did it so well. And I never, I never had to tell her again. Like I kind of forgot that I even told her that because she was just doing it so well throughout yeah. the entire filming. Why do you think it's a, a story that should be out there? You know, I think a lot of people throughout the pandemic, um, especially in America, it could benefit them from, you know, kind of just seeing how the other half live. I think the pandemic, masking, quarantining, even pre-vaccine here when things were opening up, it's a very divisive issue. Um, and it's not something that, especially two plus two and a half years into this, that I feel you know, maybe as much judgment as Sophia does, or sorry, as Therese does in the film. But, you know, just seeing the fear that a lot of people still live with who are immunocompromised can be beneficial to people. And also just sans pandemic, you know, I really just wanted to show, like I said, a different kind of sick character. One, we don't really get a lot of sick characters in media and like I said a lot of times there are more side characters I mean even sometimes when they are given the lead I don't know they're not allowed a lot of imperfection and obviously I'm not going to sit here and say it's good to like not do all your treatments or forget to take your meds but it also happens and that's something well, you're, you're a human being young. so <laughs> you're going to yeah, like, yeah, and it's, you know, just being a young adult, going to college the first time you're away from your parents, like, you're glad maybe your your mom's not nagging you to do your treatments anymore, but then you have to nag yourself and figure out how to fit treatments and meds, like doctor's appointments, etc. into classes and just hang out with your friends. And I've always just felt this deep desire to be quote unquote normal, which who is normal, what is normal, but it's, you know, it's that feeling of like, I'm just being other that I think is why I always wanted to hide the fact that I hit CF because I just want to pretend to be normal and maybe part of that is like skipping a treatment so I can just have again a quote-unquote normal day and it's almost in a different way obviously it's a pandemic so you're doing nothing so you have all the time in the world to do everything but when you have all the time in the world it's almost harder because you're like I'll just do it later I'll do it mm. tonight there's no structure Yes, trying to structure it yourself. Um, I've spoken to quite a few adults with CF and I've spoken to quite a lot of people in their 20s or either teens or 20s. Um, And as a mother of a child with CF and someone without it myself, I find it terrifying Mm -hmm. because the stuff they tell you about missing treatments or the conditions that they would live in or going traveling and meds being taking expired meds and whatever else people Mm -hmm. have done is quite terrifying. And one guy told me that the doctor had said that those are the danger years, like 19 to 23 or 18 to 23, because that's the Mm -hmm. time that you're out going, I just want to live, I want to do this, I just want to be normal and or hiding it. I think that's a really valid point of whether people choose to tell other people that they have CF and if they do what pressures do they put on themselves to hide the additional things that mean they can live a healthy life I've always found I'm like I'm fairly open once I would have told people it's almost like getting over that hump of like this this thing I have and like you know I want to like find the right time and then it's not the right time that I have friends that I like in college I'd have for so long like didn't know and it was just weird because I didn't care but then like I didn't really care if people knew but it's the it's the telling that was always and it's anything that makes you different 
is bad mm-hmm. and not bad, but you know what I mean? That's the thing you're scared mm-hmm. of. Anything that makes you different. And per- from my point of view personally, anything that makes people feel sorry for me, I really hate that. Um, and my mum passed away when I was 23. And I, mm. for a long time, didn't really tell people or didn't want to tell people because I thought it made me too different. Or when people talk about going to family staff or Mother's Day or whatever, I just kind of like hide away from it. And now, as I've got older, I've realised how many other people that I knew or would have known that would have had parents that they lost even younger than I did. And so actually, when you do share major life stuff, often people will be like, oh, that happened to me or that happened to my best friend. And then you've suddenly got, you know, a whole new group of people to talk to. There's two sides to sharing that kind of thing well it depends what how you react but from me I hate I hate telling people about Orson because I hate the sympathy face and I hate people just look really shocked and ter- terrified mm-hmm. <laughs> of everything and yeah. um, which is understandable but that's why sometimes you just don't say anything because it's just easier <laughs> and and that's also a big part of it for me too is like the pity like I feel bad enough for myself you don't need to feel bad for me and I yeah, think we know it's sad when, don't say anything yeah like cool thanks or also you get the opposite sometimes or even in the hospital or someone's like well oh well, yeah but you look great and I'm like well thanks yeah I'm hot but like I still have a chronic illness I don't know what you're I don't know where these two things don't line up in your mind I think that's what I wanted to do with the film as well as like present someone who's who doesn't have this like glow of positivity she's not really handling this illness with a lot of grace and like she does she does not want you to pity her she's not interested in your pity at all I love that that's just so that's so how I feel about how illnesses are depicted as well like in movies and online and stories are always like they're a hero they're a fighter and they put them on this Mm -hmm. weird pedestal and I I never use those words personally each to their own um but I kind of don't want to make him a fighter and a hero and that kind of stuff he's just a boy a normal boy who's got a few different things to deal with in life but yeah and why do we why do we use like military language like we're using like wartime language to describe illness like we're we're going to war we're going to battle we're fighters but But then it's like you're battling your own body isn't it so yeah like I was drafted into this war you know (laughs) like I didn't I didn't volunteer I didn't commit my life to service like I just it just happened it's you know because it's always you know a long battle with or you know, fighting for. And yeah, I agree with you. I've, I've said this before that I never use that language. I don't like it, especially with children. It's almost like I feel like if they're hearing it, it makes them feel like, oh, yeah, I have to be stronger. I must be doing mm-hmm. this like like they, they would be in any way not doing, you know, our, our instinct is to survive. So we don't need yeah. to be told to fight or be a warrior. Or yeah, whatever. and I, I feel like some of it, too, comes from, you know, maybe the Instagramification of it where it's these hashtags that again you know serve a lot of people in the CF community well and people I think that kind of positivity obviously works really well for people but it's just something that has always graded at me a little bit personally like it's not how I've wanted to look at my life and so you know and not necessarily be completely defined by CF as a label Exactly. As CF being you. Yeah, 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 exactly. But you made Um, a CF film, so you have to talk about it. Yeah, which has been very interesting now having made this movie that it is a bit part of my brand. And I always knew it would have to be in some way if I wanted to, you know, tell stories about it 
And, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, people are also always interested in what is your unique voice? What do you have to bring to the table? And CF is, is definitely that for me. Um, and I wouldn't want to shy away from story, telling stories about it because, you know, I, I don't want to be defined by it, but hopefully by telling stories about how I want to, I don't want to be defined by it can kind of help, you know, broaden that conversation and broaden people's uh, perception of what it's like to, to live with CF. Cause you know, my, Therese is, you know, she's, she's vaping weed. She's drinking a bunch of beer. Like she's doing a lot of things that normal college kids do. And thankfully, even though maybe she shouldn't be doing all of that, she also thankfully to, uh, because of modern medicine, you know, is is able to do those things. Yeah, it is a different um, diagnosis nowadays. Still awful and terrifying. What's the reception been like overall for the film? And particularly, have you been bombarded by people in the CF community to say, oh my God, CF film? <laughs> Honestly, not, not too much. I've gotten DMs here or there. I got a lot when the film was first announced. Also, just like, oh, like, my friend from Camp CF thinks she'd really like this movie. Like, I'd love to audition or something. Um, but the reception has been really, really nice. I mean, obviously, it is a small indie. Um, it's just come out on VOD in America and in Canada. It's, you know, not being seen in millions of homes or anything. But, you know, reading nice letterbox reviews and just, you know, hearing that, people enjoyed it, makes it worth it. It makes it feel real. I think there was a time between after we wrapped post-production and waiting on release where it just, you know, it almost forget that it existed. So it coming out makes it, like I said, just makes it feel real. But it is also at the same time a little surreal to see, you know, comments online and comments on the trailer and reviews online and stuff like that. Is this your first feature film? Mm-hmm. That's so great to do something so personal off the bat straight away. Yeah, it felt easy in a way where it makes sense to try and try and connect with people and, you know, like you said, make establish your voice. I mean, at the same time, I hope the next thing I do has absolutely nothing to do with CF and nothing to do with the pandemic. I want to make it. I want to make a normal movie. <laughs> so from um, we're in New Zealand, so we normally fall into the New Zealand, Australia releases. Any plans for streaming? That where we'd be able to watch? Um, nothing concrete yet. But yeah, definitely if you follow along on our Instagram, which is just at neverbetter underscore film, uh, we'll announce when and where it's available uh, can anywhere. You can you have a nudge to say not to forget about New Zealand, please? Because we do get left off the map sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So can they please remember that we exist and add us in the streaming? <laughs> Include yeah. Australia, yeah. New Zealand. Um, you can yeah. even forget Australia. Just put New Zealand in. Um, <laughs> well, they did so well with COVID. They deserve the COVID movie. <laughs> yes, we need the film. But yes, I can plug. So Never Better is available on video on demand in the United States and Canada on pretty much any platform that you would rent movies, uh, Amazon, Apple TV, G Google Play, Vudu, YouTube movies, satellite stations cable stations if you check out our instagram too there's a you know a little list and links in our bio to the various places you can watch it and you can also order it um on dvd the final question of the podcast which i ask everyone on the podcast except for myself because mm -hmm. last week's episode i forgot to ask myself and my husband um the question and uh, but it's mm -hmm. called it's called um what the cf moment so i ask mm -hmm. each participant on the podcast 
what their what the CF moment is. So that can be a bit of a wow moment. It can be good or bad, um, but something that's just really made you be like, oh, what the CF kind of thing about something. Um, do you? It could be a recent one, or it could be one that's happened, you know, previously in life. The thing that came to mind actually is the time I was in the hospital, like maybe like four years ago or something now. And um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this with your son or even if it's just an American thing, but they'll, you know, the doctor will come in and they'll have like six or seven residents or like med students with them, which is always super fun to have that many people in your (laughs) hospital room when you're not feeling good. They're all poking prong you and she pulled up my like pointer finger, which has a more curved nail. And she was like, this is because of something medical thing with CF and I've seen it pop right back to straight after a lung transplant. And I've always noticed that that nail is curved. I never knew anything to do with CF. And I was like, well, I've lived 19 years and and no one thought to tell me this. Obviously it's not important to know, but I was just like, okay, cool. One more thing. (laughs) Something else I've got to worry about now. I did know about that with the nails curving. Just like a little bit of clubbing, yeah, which is I, like if you have heart disease, your nails it can be a sign of heart disease too if your nails are clubbing. But I guess it has something to do with. But it's good. Thing. It's good to feel like a specimen when they hold your finger up and go, "Look at this." Oh, that's funny though that you didn't know that they would do that, and nice of them to do it in front of other people when you're like, "Thanks for telling me so yes. publicly." Good to know. Thank you so much for being such a great guest on What the CF. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You as well. Have a good rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.